Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Working Wife, Happy Life. This is your host, Bethany Baines. So this week I got a little fired up on a few fronts, and I'm certain all of our listeners can relate to this sentiment, uh, you know, whether it's the global pandemic, whether it's politics, whether it's attacks on women, attacks on people of color, attacks on the black community. There's so much going on to process right now. Um, There's also significant uh, information now globally about an extended work from home, what this means for parents with schools reopening. Uh, So there's a lot, lot, lot going on. Um, I just wanted to share this because I personally am kind of struggling with where to give my energy and uh, my expression and how to do it in a way that I'm able to sustain the need and uh, privilege I have to call out injustices, uh, but also to take care of myself within that frame. And it's really, really hard to do. So just know if you are in the same boat that we are with you um, and this community is with you and do the best you can to get your voice heard in the areas that matter the most to you and do so in a way that you're able to sustain your efforts and protect yourself and uh, move forward. We all need to continue moving forward. So there's our guest today is an amazing woman who actually talks a ton about burnout, which I guess is actually exactly what I'm feeling is burnout from all these areas that I feel overly stressed or worried or terrified, frankly. Uh, So getting this episode scheduled was really a comedy of errors. Carrie and I tried to schedule this no less than five times, but when we finally did, the conversation was everything that I was hoping for. So Carrie Clark is the founder and CEO of Uplift, which is a platform supporting working moms, and her newest venture called Breakout, which helps companies navigate supporting their employees and maintaining and strengthening their company culture in this time of virtual workplaces. Carrie has been a longtime advocate for working moms and working parents and continues this work with actionable insights for how to thrive rather than just survive this very challenging stage in life, compounded by this very challenging stage of the world. We discuss how to support working parents, how working culture is shifting, tips to prevent burnout, and the unique needs of various situations and the ever-critical need to set boundaries. Please enjoy my conversation with Carrie Clark. I don't want to fear love. I don't want to say no. All right, Carrie, I cannot believe this is actually happening. I feel like we have scheduled this for months, 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 but I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. I love how I say us as if it's not just me in this room. Maybe my dog. That's my new, my working wife, happy life team. That's our <laughs> us. <laughs> Uh, So Carrie Clark, you and I were introduced from a fellow Googler because you started your, I mean, I'm sure you had a career before Google, um, but you worked at Google as well and then pivoted into entrepreneurship. Can you share with us a little bit about your your professional path? 
Yeah. So, I mean, my, my path is a little, it's, it's quite varied. So I, um, just going back, I started, uh, after college moved to London to go live music for a few years, which oh, cool. was awesome. <laughs> it's one of the best times of my life. Um, so are you a musician? Are you a singer? Like, no, I was really into electronic music. So oh, cool. went over there through a lot of like did some DJing. I'm not very good, um, but was more about just like I, I had a website at the time around electronic music. I threw different parties and events and just was like, I felt like there was something amazing going on in the world there. And so yeah. did that for a few years. And then I came back and worked as an event producer for a few years here um, and then went to business school after business school, um, pretty much went to Google, had a short start in a, a digital agency before then. And then was there almost at Google for eight years, um, working yeah. as a product marketer and then a product manager. And I, I had always wanted to start my own company. Um, that was like on my bucket list. It was a dream. And so I saw that there was a need around working parents, specifically working moms and decided to leave and start Uplift Parents. That's so, so wow. That's a lot. I had no idea. First of all, our paths never crossed at Google. I think we were introduced uh, through a mutual friend after you left Google. Um, but I always find entrepreneurship so fascinating where it's just kind of in, it's in your soul and you know, you have to address it. What was kind of the, the pivot moment for you? Because it's hard to leave a company like Google, honestly, you know, it's, it's comfortable. It's, it's, you know, supportive. It's a great company. Like, tell me about that process for you. What was kind of your moment that you knew you needed to go? Well, I knew I always wanted to start a, um, a company. So it, it, and it didn't seem like that hard of a decision because I mean, who knows if this is true. I always felt like I could go back to Google, mm -hmm. right? Like I was a, you know, a top performer there. Like I had a good network there. And so the risk of like, this is forever seemed smaller. Um, yeah. but I also, you know, and I knew I wanted to do this. So even my last like four years at Google, I, you know, did a startup within Google basically, um, where I worked on the accessories team, created a product from scratch, built that into oh, cool. a multi-million dollar business. And I was always saying I was like learning how to start a company on Google's time. Right. Um, yeah. it was really, really interesting. So I think it had been a long time coming. Um, and the risk seemed a lot less because it doesn't, I don't think decisions are nearly as black and white and permanent as most people think they are. I was just going to say, I love that you said, you know, you didn't feel like it was permanent. Cause I feel like that is the fear that people give themselves of like, if I make this decision, there's no turning back. And it's like, I, I mean, we actually have a term for people who come back to Google after leaving, we call them boomerangs, um, in a like endearing way, right? It's a wonderful thing to go out and get different experience and then come back. But, um, you haven't come back, but you have grown all of, uh, your business and pivoting into a new business. Tell me about Uplift Parents, because I've been so inspired by everything that you do. Well, we saw a need, and it was interesting. So when I was at Google, I had two kids. My kids are now five and seven, so it's been a while. But um, Google had every benefit under the sun you can imagine. And I mm -hmm. still found it insanely hard to become a working mom, right? I There were plenty of times I was crying in the bathroom or the conference rooms, and I just, you know, it was just hard. And so yeah. what I saw that there was a need in the market was everyone was trying to solve the logistical problems 
for working parents, which is like, let's give them more child, like backup childcare, let's help with pumping support, that type of thing. But like, there was this huge gap of emotional support that Mm -hmm. I didn't think existed in any meaningful way and really wanted to go start that. So we started Uplift um, and we basically do coaching of working parents, Um, started with moms, also now do dads as well. Um, And we have different models of that. It can be anything from one-on-one coaching to small group to like circles where we help people like facilitate people to coach each other. Um, so depending on the scale and we combine that with little digital activities that people can do on everything from how to get rid of mental load, how to not be so hard on yourself to reducing guilt, um, to just better time management. Um, and it's, it's, it's so rewarding. Yeah. It's, I noticed on your site, you have a quiz for burnout and, uh, I think you were asking us to pick just two items and I, I've written some of them down. So two areas, pick two areas that you want the most help as a working mom, finding myself again, improving time and energy management, boosting my career, being happier and more present, strengthening my relationship with my partner, reducing guilt, increasing confidence, creating boundaries. I mean, I, yes, 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 yes. So I feel like while there's companies that are really good at the logistical provisions, there's this invisible weight that loads onto working parents that, you know, that's the the need that you identified is that this is actually more draining, more exhausting, and less productive than it needs to be. And ultimately, companies will get better work out of people who feel more emotionally supported. Right. Or they'll be more likely to stay or, you know, decide they want to push and like actually jump to that next level. Yeah, um, you know, because it's they're not young forever, right? You just need to get through a few years. Yeah, uh, that that's one of the most interesting things with parenting. I feel like it's this weird, like amnesia, where once you get past a certain stage, you kind of forget what happens in the previous stage, you know, and what kind of different support levels that you need. And, you know, that's where like empathy, particularly in leadership is so important. Because, you know, when your kids are of high school age, and much more independent, you need to be there more emotionally, but you don't need to be there as much, you know, physically and logistically as you do if they're two and four, say, and just kind of remembering those stages and remembering that as a leader, I think is critical. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. We don't do a ton of work with parents right now who have like high school kids, but it's like the number one request because anyone who has one is, you know, they really want to connect with other people going through the same thing. Yeah, it's a very, I'm, I have a 13 year old um, and an eight and a half year old, and I'm just starting to see it with my 13 year old. It is very, there's just challenges where, I mean, last night I was sitting on the couch drinking probably my third glass of wine <laughs> and my son's like, we're going to start a car washing business. I'm like, okay, dude, you've never washed a car before. You need a water source. Like this is not, you don't knock door to door in the age of COVID and ask people if you can like get in their personal space. And I'm like, but I want to encourage his entrepreneurship and I would love him to get a job. But, you know, it's like you have these conversations coming up that you're like, oh God, I have to do this now. I just wanted to watch Shit's Creek and relax right now, you know? It's different challenges with different ages for sure. So tell me about Breakout because that's relatively new. And when we met, I hadn't heard of this new uh, initiative. Yeah, so what we did is um, we actually saw COVID coming uh, 
quite early because I have a distributed team. My automator lives in China, quite close to Wuhan. My writer lives in Barcelona. So we saw it play out in the rest of the world and realized, you know, all U.S. businesses were going to be working remotely. Schools were going to close. You know, we didn't need a crystal ball. We just needed to look at what was going on in other places. And (laughs) there's some people I wish you talked to. Sorry, go ahead. Um, me too. It's crazy. Um, and we realized that it, everything was going to be on fire. And unless you were a fire extinguisher, people weren't going to pay attention. And so we started looking at like, what were we doing on the working parent side? And how can we really help businesses and help maybe even a wider audience. Um, so we started Breakout, and what we do is virtual events to help connect teams. Um, and that can be for different reasons. It could be for um, pure fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like tie-dye classes, scavenger hunts, like those types of things all virtually. Um, so it's all about virtual teams. Um, yeah. But it could be workshops. And so we do workshops on boundary setting, which is super interesting because we had done so much work for parents on boundary setting before, Right. But it was always with the individual parent having to carve it out for herself or himself. And now what we do is we actually encourage an entire team to come together and we break in like and we help them create boundaries as a team. So they all talk about what they want their personal boundaries are. And then they talk about what can they do as a team to have norms to prevent boundaries, whether that means like no emails being sent on the weekends or, you know, having blackout times that people don't have to be available or having a different escalation path, those different things. And we help them give them a framework and then they go figure it out in the session. And that's just been insanely more effective at helping people get boundaries, right? (laughs) If you have like leadership and everyone on board versus you just trying to like be the squeaky wheel for yourself. Um, And then we do support circles. So support circles um, are on lots of topics. Working parents are one of our big ones. So doing a lot of what we're doing with um, Uplift, but we also have other support circles, which are for people living alone or just being lonely. Um, Even with a full house, I've felt very lonely over the past, you know, few months. Um, And also um, we have one called 2020 feels, which is just about like what's going on. Um, And the way that works is that we have like a facilitator, one of our coaches who leads a group and everything we do, we're called breakout because we break out into small groups. And so everything we do is like, we will do something big, facilitate all of them and then break them into like pairs or small groups of three or four to have little discussions and really connect. And what's interesting, especially on the 2020 feels one is that if we were in the office, all the stuff that's going on in the world, it would be all that anyone would be talking about. Right. Like you'd have, you'd be like getting a coffee and talking, but you'd have that support built in. Yeah. And right now, unless you're scheduling a meeting about it over zoom, it's not happening. And so there's a void that we're seeing companies are feeling, people are feeling, and how do you like foster those types of conversations? Um, Right. And you're, you're also right. You don't want to necessarily schedule time to talk about it because you're touching you, you again, going back to boundaries. You don't want to actually create more meetings than you need to right now. So you're touching on it for like the first two minutes of a conversation, which really isn't that impactful. So you're missing that connection. You might have it in other outlets in your life, but you're missing that connection as a company. And that's super important to the culture. 
Yeah. And so that's what our thought is like, how do we help create some of those connections? Um, and it's been exciting, you know, it's, there's a huge need. Um, and it feels like we're making a difference in a time that people really need it. Yeah. And you're building off so much of what you've learned. I mean, the boundaries thing, that's the biggest point that I've heard people complaining about is now that everyone is remote working for the most part, if you're not a, a, you know, a first responder or essential worker, I mean, I guess some states are going back to more normalcy, um, but it's, you, you know, people are like, well, what else are you doing? You could be on calls from eight to six, you know, that's that's totally, and it's like, it's not okay actually to sit in a room by yourself for 12 hours and not have any, you know, interaction or, you know, particularly for those people that are on my team or in my personal circle that are alone right now. It's just, that is really, a really challenging thing. But I also love that you touched on people who are in a house full of people and still feel lonely. Um, Cause I think the the reaction to everything that's going on and the needs that are being placed on so many people, we're all handling them a little bit differently. And sometimes you can feel like the way you're handling things versus maybe the way your partner is handling things are two completely different worlds. And that can make you feel more isolated. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. I mean, we were talking even before we recorded about how, you know, there will be moments where you have an outsized reaction because you're, you're really burying, not burying, but like taking in so much all day, every day that you, it's impossible to address it. So it comes out in these weird moments. Yeah. I mean, I just for, for the listeners, I was saying when she asked me how I was doing, I was like, I feel like I'm doing okay. But this morning I listened to an episode of the daily that was, it was sad, but it was not ridiculously sad. And I bawled throughout my entire workout. I was just bawling in this way that was completely outsized, but I needed it. And like, you needed that catharsis. Yeah. I needed it and just accepted and was like, okay, that's what today's going to be. And I've, felt great afterwards. Um, but so things aren't okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you, know, you just, you just don't realize it and you don't have those outlets, um, in the same way. Yeah. And you can't like, you can't, you can't not be not okay all the time, right? Like there's still stuff that needs to get done. Like food needs to be cooked and dishes need to be done and kids need to be engaged and you need to exercise and you still need to like put that one foot in front of the other And then you realize that normal life is actually also happening on top of all this chaos. So, you know, when we tried to schedule this a million times, one time I was actually really sick. And of course I freaked out and I went to the clinic and I got my COVID test and it turned out to be more of like a strep viral thing. But I was like, oh, right. You forget you can actually get sick now and it's not pandemic related, you know? And so you you have these moments where you're like, oh, right. People are still sadly passing away and people are still being born and all these things, you know, the COVID coaster is still happening despite, you know, the, the actuality of the crisis. Um, and it's, you know, you kind of have to pick which, which anxiety attack should I have today? You know, which, which, which areas should I double down on? Um, it's really tough. And I know there's a lot of, uh, at least in in the US, a lot of conversations going on now about reopening of schools and what is that gonna look like? And it's almost like working parents are a little bit of an afterthought in that conversation. Um, Do you have, are there initiatives in your community? Do you have personal opinions? Like what are your thoughts on on what's going on with that? 
I'm really conservative on this. Um, my opinion. So I, I live in DC, uh, which has luckily been relatively slow at, um, opening back up. We were the last city in the U S to open up at all back up at all. Um, and I think we're rising a little bit, but not much like we're, we're, we're definitely still sort of flat. So that is lucky. Um, but my thought is, I don't want to be the first ones. (laughs) My thought is like, let's, we don't have to have all of America open up their schools. We can actually try with a few counties, see what happens. Right. And then like, if we don't open up until October versus September and we give it six weeks, two months, we'll know a lot more information. I don't think we have enough information to make any calls right now. Right. We all yeah. know information about what's been happening in Europe and Europe doesn't have the same cases as us. Right. right. You know, and like or in Asia and Asia, kids wear masks normally in school and they have a oh. very different obedient. Like there's just a very different culture there. And mm-hmm. so my thought is like we don't all have to open up like two months in the scheme of things. Is it we will have a lot more data and know what to do. And so, I mean, I wish there was I mean, it's just the way our country is, I wish there was some type of coordinated effort of like, let's try, like if I was running things and there was a way to coordinate let's, things. I play that game all the time. If I were governor, <laughs> what I would do, and it wasn't so local is I would run some tests, basically come up with like 10 different models of ways we could open up and see what happens in those different cities and see is one more successful as one not, then use that data to roll things out for the rest of the US. So yeah. that's not gonna happen. <laughs> like that right. And happen. and who are those counties, right? <laughs> like who are those it's you know, and it's not obviously not just the the kids and the working parents, it's the teachers and the educators and the administrators who, even if there is this staggered remote return, they've got to be fully exposed you know, throughout the entire thing. It's, and I do think there's that cultural compliance aspect too, that you're talking about, which is really uh, critical to get something like this under control. I just, I, I, I worry it's hard. So I live in like a, a kind of a seasonal town. Um, it's almost like it's ocean city, New Jersey. And uh, you know, during the year, it's a very small population. And then during the summer, we have a lot of uh, visitors and weekly rentals and stuff. So we've actually seen an uptick in cases here, but prior to that it was really contained um, smaller community. And I feel very hopeful uh, that we're able to see, you know, at least a more hybrid return in the beginning to, to test things out because the community is fairly small and fairly contained. Um, and socially, I just, it's, it is, uh, it's really challenging. And I don't know, you know, I feel like as parents in this generation, right? Like I was talking with another guest previously that there there's, uh, I read, a book by Glennon Doyle, Untamed, which oh, is yeah. amazing. I recommend it to everybody. But um, there's a section of it, about, like the memo you get as a parent and where like generations ago, it was just like, okay, just keep them alive. And then it got to like, all right, keep them alive and a little interested. And then it was like, all right, make them like learn Mandarin by the time they're two. And, you know, all this stuff where we've kind of, we've been in that bucket of like, the, the overscheduled hyper, you know, cultured and, and extracurricular raising in a way. And, and I don't know that I've been like that specifically as a parent, but I feel like that's kind of the message that we get. And so now 
I almost wonder if our emphasis on the social impact of having kids out of school is, again, that like outsized reaction based on how we've been told to nurture these minds or how we've been kind of, you know, collectively moving toward that. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so my kids are five and seven. In some ways, um, you know, th- this past year, there were four and six. Um, so first grade and pre-K. Um, and I felt like that was like the perfect age to be homeschooling because I didn't care that much about their education. Like mm-hmm. they were able to, you know, it was fine if homeschooling was a disaster, which it was. My son, who's four, he just hid under the table for every single Zoom call. I mean, it just, it yeah. he did not participate, right? But who cares? He's four. Um, now that we're thinking that this, you know, might be a whole nother year, and my son, I mean, he's a great kid, but he needs socialization. Like that's yeah. what he, I mean, the education stuff you can catch up or like, you know, we're having fun reading at home and he he's learned a ridiculous amount on Epic by reading, like having those books read to him. I mean, the amount that yeah. he to us is crazy, but um, we can't replace like having friends. Um, yeah. And so I don't know, but then I also listened to a developmental psychologist who I can't remember their name, but they said, if everyone is out of school or like, if everyone is in the same situation, no one's behind. Then there's no, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is interesting. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. We're exploring personally. Um, my sister-in-law was telling me yesterday that she found a group of moms in her, her, uh, city that are just going to hire a tutor or a teacher to come play, like help, like do actual in-person things with four or five kids. Um, and I'm thinking like, that's a brilliant idea. That is a brilliant idea. Uh, right. Like, let's just Almost do that. like a co-op, like a co-op school programming. Right. And it doesn't have to be every day. Right. Like even if they did that a few like a few hours a week, it's it's something. Um, yeah. And then you kind of pod with these families, too, where your risk of exposure is lessened and you still get that socialization outlet and some kind of structure. Yeah. So I have not explored it, but there's like a number. There's a handful of families who have kids our same age who go to our school. So I was like, why don't we reach out to them and see if there's the, some that would be interested. So we get yeah. some socialization because it, no matter what, they're not going to be in school five days a week. No, and, I know. And so, you know, it, this would be an interesting way of getting them involved with more people. Um, because I think even if we do go back to school, that there are going to be outbreaks and people, it, it's going to switch between remote and in-person and remote and in-person. Yeah. Like even if yeah. we go back in the fall, I think the chance of us staying back in the fall for the entire year is zero. I know. Oh, <laughs> I feel it's like perpetual summer where my kids, I swear to God, every summer they're like, you don't have summer break. I'm like, we've been through this every year. I work during the summer and they don't have that concept. And it's like that, that, that perpetual moment. And I am fortunate. My partner is a full-time dad, so he's able to, you know, really focus on that, but that's a lot to ask of him as well. Right. Like it's just a lot for everyone right now. Um, what are some other themes that you're hearing from either your, uh, the breakout, uh, the breakout groups or the individual uplift parents of stuff that's really rising to the top of their concerns as working parents? 
Um, well, in general, burnout is a big thing. Um, productivity, this is outside of working parents, this is across the board. Productivity, it sounds like it's up about 20 to 30% when I talk to people who measure things at different ways. Like if you talk to groups that like we measure line of code, all of that, um, it's, but it's at the expense of burnout. Um, so in burnout, I think hurts, hits working parents the most, um, because they have two jobs. <laughs> yeah. And so now they're just working around the clock. So we're hearing that as a big, a big struggle. Um, I think there's, I think I'm hearing people struggle about what do you do about your career? Right. Mm -hmm. like when this was, when people, it's funny because I, I interview people constantly about this. Right. And so when I first started interviewing back in March, people were like, I, I always ask, how long do you think this is going to last? And in March, everyone was like one or two months. Now people are saying, oh, through the end of the year. My belief is like, it's at least a year from now before anything is back to normal. Um, because even once a vaccine is here, no one's gonna be the first person to take that vaccine. Um, so- Right, and, and there's the rollout and the test. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a much it's, longer cycle. It's at yeah. least a year. And so I think as we've seen that shift, now people were fine with, and I mean, this goes back to my kids, fine with like three or four months of no socialization, right? Fine with them. But like when all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's 18 months of maybe taking a step back in my career, 18 months of my kids not actually having the education that I wanted them to have, all of that. Um, it's right now I'm seeing people sort of readjusting and what that means. Yeah. Um, and even, and even trying to like progress your career too. Cause it's like, wait, do I really want to sign up to take on more right now? Right? Like, I, you know, it's critical time in, for me, I just turned 44 last week and this is the, on average, CNBC has reported that women's earnings peak at 44, men's earnings peak at 55. So this is it. I'm like, okay, this is the year. Is this really the year that I push for more? You know, it, it's, it's that type of, like you're saying, a two to three month pause, not that big of a deal. 18 months, you're on a much different track. Right. And so it's like, what is that balance? Um, you know, and it, it, everyone has a different situation, right? Mm. Some people have family who can help. Some people still have some type of nanny who's coming. Some people are single parents doing all of this by themselves. And it's, it's like, I get asked a lot of times, oh, come to a workshop and give us some general advice for working parents. I'm like, I can't do that. I just can't. Like, um, and which is why we do sort of the circles where we help like sort of people coach each other because there's just, there's not, it, the situations are so different. Yeah. Because um, so many people, there's a lot of people who like, if they have childcare, it's not that different. Yeah. Yeah. They're, right. You have childcare and you're yeah. just working from home. Yeah. You're just working from home and now you get to go get some cuddles during your breaks. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, and so there are, there's that situation. Um, and then there's people who like the single moms or dads who are doing it all. Everything. And like, I, I, I just have no idea. Yeah. 
That's such a good point, too, because I feel like everyone's looking and it's funny because I was just going to ask you when you were talking about burnout, you know, kind of what are what are some of your top tips? But, you know, it is such a unique and personal thing, right? It's like I don't want to hear from anyone about meditating like that's not my thing. It's not I don't I don't do it. I've tried it a million times. I know I'm the type of person that probably needs it because it's so hard for me to do blah, blah, blah. It's not my thing. So like, I, I don't know what it is my thing to make me feel less burnt out, but it's so individual. You've just got to find, find what that is. And everyone's looking for the blanket, like silver bullet to make this kind of, to, to make this feel better. Um, I do have, I can give some, some tips. I'll, oh, I'll good. Right. Um, one, I, I think it's interesting. A lot of people miss their commute. Because it was mm. a moment of yes. transition. It was a moment. And a lot of times it was a moment of me time. Like, I'm going to listen to my favorite podcast. I'm going to, you know, talk to a friend or just like think about nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one tip I have is create a commute. Well, if you mm -hmm. have another partner at home, go on a walk around the block. Yeah. At the beginning, at the end of your days or at least on one of them, right? Um, put your podcast on, have something that marks the end of your day. It could be like you come in and you like switch from like one pair of slippers to another slipper, but like have something that like I'm in work mode and I'm not. Um, yeah. That's insane. Like Mr. Rogers, take your, take your sweater off, but you're, yeah. Yeah, it's true because you embody that, right? And we have nothing that breaks up the day. Um, the second one I, I say is just, focus. And I know that sounds so obvious, but like, look at your week and like, just imagine, like, let's say this week or even your day, a day isn't easier. Let's say today pipes burst in my house and I had like an hour to work because like everything was a disaster. What would I do? Right. Yeah. And like, just do that first. Like as soon as you get to work, just do that. Um, because like then the rest of your day will feel easy and you'll probably realize you don't have to do all the other stuff on your day. Um, mm. another That's so, that, that is so interesting. Just a quick aside. I have a um, big meeting this evening and I did that before we jumped on this call. I was like, you know, I got to get all my notes and my thoughts in order. And I'm, you know, was kind of dreading doing that. And if I didn't do it first, the day was going to get away from me and then I was going to feel crammed and ill-prepared. So I actually did it first at 9am this morning. And that that's such a I, it's such a huge burden off my shoulders instead of weighing on me all day. Yeah. And the day might get away from you. Right? Right. Especially when you have kids at home, you have no idea what's going to happen. And so like, let's just set yourself up for success. Right. Yep. Um, another thing is just be really creative with your time. So for example, I've been doing things where I actually get up quite early. My kids for some reason are now sleeping till like 10 or 11 in the morning. I don't even want to. It's crazy. Lovely. Yeah, well, they stay up to like midnight. I go to bed at like, <laughs> they stay up past me at this point. Um, whatever. I, but like what happens is like I get up at 5.36 and I work. And I am working really, really early. So I have almost gotten in. It's funny, like my colleague, like we have a meeting at 11 a.m., and like, he's just, he's, he's two hours behind me. He's just starting his day. I've like almost finishing my day at that. I'm like, you know, yeah. I've gotten <laughs> over half of my day done. Um, but I would say get creative with your time. Like, can you work really early? I also try to, and I don't do it every week, but I have one week where I just work late. I work through dinner. I'll just work. And then that means that I can have easier days on every single other day. 
right? And, oh, got it. Yep. And it's it's like one dinner doesn't matter, but the fact that I can then not feel stressed the entire rest of the week has a much bigger impact on my family life. And so it, yeah. it's like, again, those are just examples. Don't, and you don't have to do them, but like, you know, or someone else, I have another single, you know, I work with some singles moms, they might, you know, do work more on the weekends um, and then have more flex times with their, with their kids during the week. And so I think just like blow up your idea of the traditional nine to five calendar. That's the beauty of working from home. And just think about like, when can I actually get this done? Yeah. Um, And, and, and that, the big part of that is going back to setting boundaries too. Right. Because a lot of people, you won't have control over your calendar. It will just get kind of built up. But if you're intentional about it in terms of when you are and are not available, assuming you have the job security and the support of your management to do that, I think that's a really critical piece is when can you work your best, least interrupted and most productive? And also, when are you at your best, right? To do that work? Because a lot of people are logging in after their kids go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. I'm sorry, my brain is fried. We already talked about what I want to do. And that's watch shit squeak and drink wine. It's like, I don't want to be reviewing a contract. I can't, yeah. I won't sleep. Like it's, it's horrible. And so, I mean, one thing just on that, as far as like, how do you have that conversation with your manager is exactly what you just said. How do you frame this? Like their job is to get the best work out of you. Mm-hmm. So frame it that way of, mm-hmm. I really want to help get the best work out of me. These are the times that I'm going to get like, like for me, like literally if I'm working at like 7am, I'm going to get, I'll be four or five times productive at me working at like 10pm. Yeah. And so it's not about hours that you're working, but it's about how, you know, how do you show up to, during those hours? And so, yeah. and if I work at 10pm, here's the thing is if I work at 10pm, I won't sleep and then I'll be a mess for that 7am time. And exactly. so being able to have that conversation of like, this is how you're going to get the best work out of me. Um, can we try this? And can we try this for a day, a week? Uh, like, you know, like it doesn't, again, people sometimes try to be like, I want to have like some policy that's forever. And that's a scary thing to sign up for as a manager. But if you can just try it out or yeah, even try it out without permission and then say, hey, I've been trying this for the past two days. I found I've been way more productive. Can we try yep. a little bit longer? You know, you, you'll be amazed at you can get things past. Yeah, it's funny. I did that. Not funny, but I, I when I came back from my first maternity leave with my son, um, at the time, work from home was not common uh, by any means. And I wanted to work from home every Friday. And I just wanted to have more time at home and less time pumping and um, all of that stuff. And so he was a new manager. Uh, he became my manager while I was on maternity leave. And so my first meeting with him, I was like, great. So I will be working from home on Fridays and we'll just discuss it every three months if that's an issue. And he was like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, All right. And then every three months I had it on my calendar during our one-on-one, I'd say, everything working out okay for you? Any concerns? Okay, great. I'll talk to you in another three months. And I just kind of set that as like, this is not a permanent thing. This is, you know, not a forever thing. My son is young. I'm nursing and, you know, it ended up turning into a more permanent thing. But I feel like having those conversations and setting out what your needs are and saying, you know, I'm, I'm not inflexible here. 
but I do, I, w- I would like this to be the case and let's see if there's an issue. And the interesting thing is that this is a really good time to ask for this stuff and mm-hmm. flexibility because what happened is every manager, not every, but a lot of managers went in here being worried that productivity is going to be out the window. They're all seeing that it's not. In fact, the yep. opposite is true. And now when I'm talking to managers, because again, I've been talking to people throughout this time, everyone's worried about burnout. Yeah. Every, like, that's what they're worried about. And so it, this is the time to have those conversations because they know that they're yeah. doing it across the board. And I think you're hitting on something really important is because every situation is so individual, you do need to be the one to ask. You do need to be the one to say, this is what I need versus having a, you know, blanket policy or understanding that you feel like doesn't match what you need. It's actually going to have the opposite impact for you. So kind of leading, you know, almost in that negotiation, if you will, but just that conversation about what it is you need to be most productive will benefit you only because if you have something put out, like we've talked about, do we do summer Friday times where it's like, you know, nobody works past two and it's like, well, that might work for some that might not work for other people. What about people who have insomnia? So they are at their worst in their morning and they prefer to sleep in so that they can be more productive in the afternoon. Like there's no one size fits all. Um, but yeah. these are- and like, I think make it easy for your manager right? Managers right now are slammed. They have more meetings than they've ever had. (laughs) They have less visibility into their org. And so they're having to do way more work on that side than they've been. Every business is changing right now. Uh, There's a lot of security about jobs, futures, all of this. So make it easy for them. Like that you can't expect them to be mind readers. Even this sounds horrible to even notice that you are about to be burnt out. Right. Right. So just tell them. Um, and there's ways to do it. Doesn't, it doesn't sound horrible. I mean, what do you, who are you, what are you seeing your manager for 30 minutes a day where you like, you know, you have to be on, you know, you have to be on a screen, you know, you're going to be video. So you're trying to put your best self forward. It's not, you know, it's when you see somebody in person every day, you can notice that maybe, you know, they're looking tired or maybe they're losing weight or something where you're like, Hey, something's going on. Are you okay? but you're not going to see that in a 30 minute conversation, you know, and and that's, that's a really critical part of recognizing kind of, you know, as a leader, what people need. And then, you know, even when I started this conversation with you, sometimes I'm like, Oh God, am I getting too heavy or am I being too flippant? And like, you don't know how to meet people where they're at right now. It's a very strange time for like that human connection. Yeah. I mean, and my thought is, and like people have given me this advice because I've also screwed. I mean, we've all screwed up at this during the past six months, but I screwed up on, on every day um, where it's like, assume positive intent, assume the best yeah. for everyone right now. Right. Like everyone I do think is just trying their hardest. Um, like yeah. everyone's trying their hardest. They're doing their best right now. And so I think assume that from your managers going into every conversation, assuming that with people who work, you work with all of that, um, the world, your life will be better. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's times where you see, and you know, where things will just come out wrong or you say the wrong thing, or you, you know, make the wrong comment or put, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, and I feel like we, 
you know, as, as a society need to be more open to being called out on those things too, that it's not a personal attack too. When you say, Hey, you know, that could have, that could have come out a little bit softer or that could have been misconstrued to be like, Oh, interesting. Never thought about it that way. Thank you. You know, and kind of being open to those corrections too, because it's, it's all, that's all part of growth. We all have to be open to, to growing and learning and, and helping each other through this time, especially if it's going to be the next 12 to 18 months as well. Um, Carrie, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we found time to connect finally and that you've shared such amazing insights with our listeners. For those who want to learn more and and connect with you and potentially work with you on some of the breakout stuff or uplift parents uh, coaching, where's the best way for them to find you? So for breakout, it's just um, our website is breakout.chat. Um, if you there's a button on like getting in touch or clicking a demo, that'll that'll get to me. Um, for uplift parents, uh, it's upliftparents.com. We also have an Instagram account um, called Get Uplifted on Instagram, where yeah. we try to brighten people's days a little bit with some memes and some humor more than anything. Um, and just make you feel a little bit better. Um, and then I also have a newsletter that, um, for parents, um, if you go to upliftparents.com, there's a button that says subscribe at the top. Um, and that's just a daily newsletter, which sounds like a lot, but they're all designed to be read in under a minute. And the idea is just like one minute of tips that just makes your life slightly easier that day. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things that like, it like, it's literally just one brief tip on, um, design for working parents. So any of those would be really helpful. That's something you can read as you're walking out the door to do your quote unquote commute. Yes. Or I have had a number of friends tell me they, they read it first thing on the morning in the toilet. So Okay. Well, whatever, whatever you need to do to get by today, that is the theme of our conversation. (laughs) All right, Carrie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very much for everything that you're doing and for joining us this morning. Well, thank you. Don't forget to jump over to Apple podcasts, Google play stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And please leave a review to give us direct feedback and also to get the podcast in front of more eyes. It's very much appreciated. Was I scared or brave?